going on it is jason i decided not to use the verb in there because you actually make a complete sentence so yeah i'll i'll finish the sentence for you i'm working on being us being grammatically correct <laughs> the most okay is grammatically correct podcast yeah you're, you're pretty okay about board games <laughs> yep yep i have like no zany banter like i don't know what there is to bring up uh, I was cooped up in a conference room all day today, so that sucked all the zaniness out of me. I don't have anything either. But I do have a code for Protospiel. Okay, I was just going to talk about the peanut butter pie that I was <laughs> waiting for me in the fridge. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can go ahead and talk about that. We can. Uh... I, sh- I should have had my dairy before we started the podcast. <laughs> then I would be ready for zany banter, but I wanted That's it true. to chill. You really failed the podcast today. I mean, you had your piece already, so... I did, but dairy doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't make you zany. No, it doesn't. It just makes my stomach hurt, and that's the that's the opposite of zany. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then you shouldn't eat it. But it's so good. I like it. I'm not gonna let my stomach win. It wins enough <laughs> okay. as it is. It wins enough as it is. Okay. Right. Might never matter. I'm sure. Yeah, I will be the master of my own body here. Oh my gosh, you're the master <laughs> of your domain. Yes. So uh, enough of the my stomach talk. Uh, <laughs> let's move into the protospiel code. So protospiel is coming up in like two weeks, three weeks, I think. Two weeks? Three weeks. It's three the week weeks. after our daughter's birthday. Oh, yeah. Okay. So three weeks. And we have a special code that will get you a discount off of the designer badge. It's a $10 discount. And the code is... Riveted. With a capital R. Did you ever find out if it really is a capital R? Or are you just saying that? No, it's a capital R. That's how um, Tim told me. Okay. I mean, well, he typed it to me that way, so it could have just auto-corrected to an R. It might not matter, but that's how we've been going with it, so that's how we're going to keep rolling. Yeah, we put, we tagged it. Uh, it's pinned to the top of our Facebook page, so for all the details, you can go there. Um, it'll have everything you need to know about Protospiel, how to get badges, and all that good stuff. So we're going to try to make it one day. Um, shouldn't be an issue, I don't think, but... Maybe not more, but we will definitely, I say definitely a lot, but we're probable for one day. How about that? So if you're in the South Bend area from February 21st to the 23rd, go to ProSpiel and get your game on. Or bring a game and then we can get your game on. How about that? I won't. I won't be doing that. You don't like to play designers games? No, I'll just be sitting there like. Supportive. Yeah, like passing out hugs to people or something. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'll do. But. <laughs> there might be some good games there. You don't know. I know. I just, sometimes I have trouble telling my face to not say uh, what my brain is thinking. And I want to be nice to everybody because I know people worked hard. But I have a lot of opinions about games, like strong opinions. And some of them are like completely irrational. I realize this. Like, the fact that I don't ever want to play a space game, I don't, you know, area control is stupid. There's all these things that I have. I don't want anything with, like, mechs or robots. So, if someone has a game they really love, like, I can't, and they're like, oh, hey, what'd you think? Do you really want to play this? My face is going (laughs) to say... Oh God, never again! But I don't want to say that out loud. So you can you can fake it sometimes. You you put on the smiley face sometimes. I've seen it. I know, but I just gotta catch it fast enough. And when people like surprise you, you like aren't ready. Yeah, that's true. But I will play your games, so I I have no issue with that. And so I'll, I will I'll be there. To play I will your encourage game. you heartily and hug you and not play your games. <laughs> yeah, Katie likes to just play games that are established and published. That's her thing. And some of those I won't even do, so... I That's mean, true, and that is true. It's not going to be a snob. There's lots of games I just won't play, because I am... Well, I, I am a snob, but it's yeah, a matter... because you are being a snob, yeah. It's not, but it's not about published versus unpublished. It's just about... That's true. You don't like it, so you won't play it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, it's my own game contrariness. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's Protospiel. Um, code is riveted, capital R, and we will see you there. 
right, let's talk about some news and not about games that I am stuck up about. So the first one... <laughs> all- you're not stuck up about any of these? No, but I think you're stuck up about all of these. So this I, is a good turnaround. I probably out. am. Especially the last one. I'm definitely stuck up on that one. Oh, so, for sure. But uh, this yes. first one, too, you're also going to be stuck up about. So the first, <laughs> the first game I want to talk about that I found on Kickstarter is called Shiver Me Timbers. And this is like super funded now um there's only five days left at the time of this podcast being released on the kickstarter but it is a pirate themed sandbox game oh man this sounds awesome shut up so (laughs) great western (laughs) legends no western western yeah western western legends just western legends not great i mean you could be great i guess but that's great western trail yes i mixed the two because said it i i played one i didn't like it and you won't let me play this other one, and I don't know if I'll you like can it. play whatever you want. I'm not your boss. <laughs> no matter how many times I tell you that, you still sometimes try <laughs> to assert it. <laughs> That's true. But Shiver Me Timbers, so it's like they took that concept that people love about Western Legends and put it in a pirate theme, which I think is super cool. So it's two to four player game. Um, you can fight ships, and it's not like you fight each other. You're fighting like NPCs and stuff. Um, you can raid fortresses, complete missions for the king. You can hunt for lost treasure. You can rescue connect relatives. You can face, like, the Kraken. Um, and, like, you can, like, upgrade your ship. And, like, they actually have components that, like, fit into your ship. Like, you can add extra sails and guns and stuff to it. Like, you actually snap those pieces on to little minis, which I thought was really cool. The board does look cool. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's... Is that the one? You, like... It's like- you help build the board as yeah. part of the setup so like you there's like these goals like four like kind of lifestyle goals that you ch- secretly choose to they're going to work towards like have the most money or something or whatever um and so then you work on setting up the board so you can try to like oh i want to get like a lot of like treasure areas here because that's where i'm going to start out so that's going to help me towards my goal but you don't like don't want to openly say that um so like you have a lot of investment in all the different like parts of this game so it seems really cool um, I'm sure I, I didn't look and see how long it would take to play, but I'm sure it's it's definitely a lot of time, just like Western Legends. But if you're having a good time, you know, then go for it. Um, it is seventy seven dollars for the lowest pledge amount for the game, but you also get like with that, like you get the game, you get like a print and play version, which I was confused by. If you're actually gonna get the game, but then you also get like. You'll probably only get the print and play, no game. No, it said it first. I don't know. And But you also get, like, desktop wallpaper <laughs> for free. That's cool. I mean, it has some cool art. Like, I'm looking at the art right now. The art looks good. Yeah, so you get, like, a lot of the art um, with that pledge. So, yeah, $77 plus shipping is kind of a lot, but you are getting rewarded for that. Yeah, that's cool. It says it plays in 90 to 180 minutes, so it's probably four hours. Yeah, that seems... Like, really? really? No, I'm being legit. No, I, I would I would say 90 minutes would be, like, a two-player, like, that or something. Yeah, Like, that's probably, really, yeah. really ambitious. But it seems yeah. like if you like that sandbox, like, kind of game, which Western Legends really has, like, gosh, why wouldn't you want a pirate theme? That's, like, to me, is, like... I, I mean, I like, the, I love Westerns. I'm a huge John Wayne fan, and I love that kind of theme. But, dude, Pirates are awesome. I watched Pirates of the Caribbean today, the Black Pearl one that I haven't watched in forever, like the original, um, because of my love for Elena Bloom. But I was like, yeah, Pirates. Like, it looks like a good game. So that's Shirmy Timbers. Yeah, the art looks cool. Uh, but, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, and the next one I want to talk about um, is a game called Here to Slay. And it's... F- is it about Santa? It is not, no, it's not like S L E I G H slay. It's S L A Y like kill. Like murder, yeah. But it's like probably the cutest murdering game you've ever seen because it's from the people <laughs> who did Unstable Unicorns. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> it is. So it's from the same people that did Unstable Unicorns, which I have played, and which it's not, and it wasn't an amazing game. But the art was cute. It was like funny and like and, and witty. Um, so the fact that they've now made this game here to slay, which is actually, I think, something that I maybe would rather play because it is taking just this their basic card game and stable unicorns is just kind of set. I don't want to say set collection, but 
a pretty simple card game. And this is a making it to like a strategic card game. It's like a role playing adventure. They Dang, call- this has made a million bucks. Yeah, over a million dollars. Jeez. Almost $1.2 million. So wow. um, it's for two to six players. There's 10 days left to go. It has the most adorable art ever. If you've seen like a lot of like, um, I think it's Tea Turtle that has those cute little unicorns on there and stuff. It's that artwork. And if you've seen Unstable Unicorns, that same artwork, you... Um, like you make your own party basically so you get to pick like these cute little leaders a leader to lead your party you're getting cards that are like magic cards you're getting um like weapons you're getting additional people to your party you're fighting monsters um and you're like stopping other like players from winning because like i think if you kill so many monsters who there was the first one to defeat so many monsters wins and so I was looking, I'm like, okay, this feels like it could take a long time because there's all this stuff you're doing. But they say, like I checked, they play tested this and a four player game is 30 to 60 minutes. Wow. Which cool. seems pretty good, like timing wise. And it's really cute. And it seems like a fun kind of, you know, fantasy adventure game, which I, I really like anyway. So to just get the card game itself, the standard base game, it's 20 bucks. So cheap. Um, but for $25, you get the Kickstarter exclusive base game and like all the stretch goals and stuff. So I consider that to be really what you need is the $25 one. Cause you're going to get it on Kickstarter. You might as well get the Kickstarter stuff. So 25 bucks, really cute strategic card game. Um, I think I would totally play this one. Yeah. It's, it's really pretty. Like I'm looking at the pictures. It looks really awesome. So like, Actually, unstable, I mean, I don't, I don't think I would play it, but it's pretty. Yeah. Like the unstable unicorns game was super cute. Like the gameplay was, eh. Uh, it was a little take that, and this might be, could, I think this could get that way, or it could be like, hey, I'm really focused on my campaign, on like my little um, party. I want to, you know, help my leader. I want to, you know, recruit some other people. I I just think it looks fun. So, here to slay. Cool. 10 days left on Kickstarter. And finally, the last one I talked about today, there are I've been looking through news. There's so much stuff I want to talk to you about, but already Jason tells me that I take too long on the podcast. So I've been trying to narrow it down to three items, but I just, so there's stuff that's out on Kickstarter now, stuff that's coming out and I want to talk about it, but I'm going to, I'm trying to pace myself. Way to throw me under the bus. Like I don't always say that to you. You don't say it, but I know you think it. But you said I said it. Like, I might. You have it. said it before too. I said, I want to keep it under an hour. That's all I said. Which is why. And we haven't done that yet. We haven't done it yet. I know. I'm sorry, guys. This is what happens. You get the long-winded case explanation. (laughs) And when I take over news, there's so much stuff I want to talk about. So I'm kind of like holding back. So if if I haven't mentioned something that you saw on Kickstarter or something that you think sounds great. You can blame me. No, I'm going to get to it. I'm just saying. I'm just pacing myself. So I've been trying to keep stuff like, like a couple of these were out a little bit far but I want to try to keep stuff within maybe like the week to two week mark once they're hit Kickstarter. So not always brand new. Okay. So my last one I want to talk about, and I totally want to talk about this because of some of my segment later on games played, but um, Hero Forge, which is um, like a customizable miniature creator website is, has a Kickstarter for a full, for full color custom minis. So you can either get them 3D color printed, um, and they show you examples, or you can get a mini and have it like hand painted, which is crazy town. Um, I have a, so this Kickstarter has 12 days left. It is super funded because a lot of people really do love their minis. And I actually, I do have a Hero Forge mini. Um, Obviously it's not color because they just now are offering that. Um, but I had one of my good friends paint it. Shout out to Jim Breeze. If you need minis painted, he's awesome. Member of the Riveted. Thanks, Jim. Um, but the detail that they put, and you can go in and totally customize your character. So I made one for my D&D character and like her shoes and her muscles and her hair and she's holding a money bag and like you can get like so so customized on it it's really awesome so now they're adding that next level with color Uh, a lot of people are crazy about it you can also do some like virtual tokens or something i don't quite understand all that because i don't play like a lot of online games but they're offering a couple like d20 
different services. So if you just, I, I try to look for like the most basic cost. If you, so for $39, you can get one mini 3D color printed. So it's not the hand painted version, but it's the 3D color printed, which that's right about the normal cost for their, that's about what I paid for my non-colored mini. So that's a pretty good price for their Kickstarter. So that is um, the Hero Forge full color custom minis with 12 days left. Well, you failed to mention the nice shiny uh, hand painted custom mini price. I didn't $149. Look. Woof. It's custom. Like it, like the custom painting is crazy. It's one mini. It's one mini. Yeah, you about go blind painting them. Yeah, but it's $111, $114 more than just buying one. Those of you people that actually like miniatures and that do paint them, you'll understand that that price is not out of the room of possibility at all. You pay me $20, I'll paint a cube for you and I'll mail it to you. <laughs> It'll look terrible. It's not the same. You can <laughs> paint a face the same. on there. Um, all the details a miniature is a freaking cube. No, all the detail you can get is crazy. Like, Jim just painted a mini um, for someone in our campaign, which is, like, spoiling a lot of what I'm going to talk about later. But it was a dog companion. Like, he painted it. The dog's wearing, like, a like clothes. It has, like, an extra little um, healing potion for its master. He put, like, this shiny gloss to make it look like the dog, dog had drool on his jowls. Like, there's a lot of effort that goes into a really well-painted mini. $114 worth? Yes. I, Jim I would, would not yes. charge $114 for one mini. That's ridiculous. I'm just saying. Hero Forge. We'll kill our custom minis. All right. My blood pressure is rising. Oh we need gosh. to get out of this segment. Let's move on to our gaming term glossary. All right. So we're doing another segment of the gaming glossary, which Katie coined and it's pretty cool so the first thing i want to do we're going to do three today we've been doing four but we're going to do three because they're going to kind of weave in a couple in each one so the first one i'm going to talk about is area control slash area majority slash area influence they're all in the same section because they're essentially the same thing so one an area majority control influence game is it's when somebody is trying to put pieces down on a board to take well control of that territory so say we're playing you're playing risk risk is a pretty classic one so say you're playing risk and you're trying to take over australia what you're trying to do is you're trying to get as many people in australia to either wipe out the people who are there or just have more people than them to control the territory so that's kind of how it works that's a pretty basic example but it does the trick i think so some games that i really like that have area control are i like ethnos that has some area control. You're playing cards, ticket to ride style, and you're trying to control these different territories to get points for whoever's in first, second, and third. Um, there's also Royals, which is another ticket to ride of area control game where you're trying to place these cubes down in this on a, a city on a map, trying to just have more cities than everybody else to score tiles. I'm trying to think of another one that I can't think of right now because we don't play a ton of these. Because I hate them. Uh, that's true, because you do hate them. Uh, let's see. I know there are more, but I can't think of any. Um, El Grande, I haven't played it, but I know it's like the granddaddy of area control. Bunny Kingdoms is like... Bunny Kingdom, that's true. Drafting yeah. and card drafting and area control. And Blood Rage has some area control. Again, I haven't played it, but most people who listen to a board game po- podcast are going to know what that game is. So if you like games where you're battling for control of territories, most dudes on the map game have a little bit of this going on. So if you like... A little bit of combat and trying to be the king of the mountain type deal that area control is for you so the first term area control majority influence yeah i hate area control i just i do and i think it's because i i can't it's it, i know it's because i can't ever win even when i try to like i feel like i'm doing everything possible to control an area it never happens for me never and it just makes me angry so i don't want to play area control what about revolution you win that one sometimes I don't think I do. I don't think I do. I thought you did. I just maybe I just assumed you did because I, I, I lost and I just assumed it was you. No, I don't think it was me because I can't win it because it's area control and it makes me mad. I don't really like it either, but we probably needed to define it. Yes, another 
definition term that I don't, a type of game I don't really like is auction and or bidding. So oh, I love this stuff. Oh, you would. So like auction, so auction games, they have where players take turns, like placing bids on an item. And then eventually like you'll establish who the winner is. And then whoever that is takes control of the item that's bid on. So usually it's. Um, you know, it's something to help you, maybe resources, what have you. Um, and then there's also like just a basic bidding mechanic where like you are, I mean, you have to bid an auction anyway. So it's like the same, but there's another type of auction bidding mechanic called blind bidding, where you can't see what other people are bidding at the time that you're making the bid. Um, so you won't know if you're winning until the reveal. So you don't know how high you should bid or you know, how low you should bid without like overbidding where you can like an open auction kind of game. So um, bidding games are like for sale, which you're straight up bidding for properties. Hollywood Blockbuster, which I really dislike. Oh, it's so good. It's it's not. We'll talk about this on a future episode of games that I like that you don't. Yeah, uh, for sure. But you're going to be on my list three times. (laughs) Well, I just like it three times as much. Um, (laughs) You're bidding for uh, different actors and directors. Um, Keyflower, a game I also don't like, uh, where you're bidding with like workers to take certain cer- color workers. Yeah, yeah, to take certain tiles. I think right. Yeah, only one color can be on each tile. So like, if I bid with a red one, everybody else has to bid with a red one and overbid me. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then, like, some blind bidding games are Shakespeare, which is the whole game of Shakespeare is not about blind bidding, but to determine who goes first and the number of actions you're going to take. There's a blind bidding process. Um, and J- like Jason mentioned before, revolution. Um, you're doing blind bidding to say what spots you're going to go to on the board um, in order to try to take area control. So that is auction and bidding. Yeah, I like bidding. I think I like blind bidding better than the other ones because it feels more, I guess, more fair, I guess, because everybody's kind of doing it at the same time and you're not going around for five minutes outbidding each other by one which just can be super annoying so you just close your fist open it whatever happens happens i enjoy that agree uh okay so the last thing we want to talk about today is they're kind of the same but not really and they are campaign slash legacy games now i know legacy is not the same as campaign but they kind of function similarly so a campaign game would be a game where we'll say like near and far where you're going to go to the first map you're going to play through it, you're going to defeat the boss, then you're going to move into another part of the game to kind of do an overall story. Nothing in the game gets destroyed, it's just you play this game and it moves you into another game to progress the story along to try to beat the entire game. Kind of video game style, but on a board. A legacy game, however, you're either going to be unlocking new rules as you go, you're going to be ripping up components, you're going to be putting stickers on a board to permanently change the board while telling that overall story. So they'll play kind of similar, but when you're done with a legacy game, a lot of the times you can't play the game again. Whereas a campaign game, you can do one-off shots or whatever if you want after you're done. So one of the big campaign games, which I've never played and probably will never play, is Gloomhaven. Um, People say it's a legacy game, but I don't necessarily think it is because you're just playing. You can play it as many times as you want the same scenario over and over and over if you want. So to me, that's not legacy. Right. Uh, one legacy game that I've played, and it's really the only one that I've played because I don't like legacy that much, is Charterstone. And this is a Euro legacy game where you're playing a worker placement game, and as you progress through the game, you're going to unlock different types of workers that do different things. You're going to put stickers on a board to unlock new places where you can send your workers. You're going to name your own town. And it's just going to kind of build on itself to make the last game better than the one you just played. And at the end of the game, you can play that board again, but it's not going to be the same as anybody else's board, which is kind of neat. So that's campaign. That's legacy. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but I don't really have anything else I need to say about these. Do you think that Time Stories is a campaign game or a legacy game? Uh, I think it's a game that you play over and over and over until you've actually beaten it. So campaign? Yeah, but I I don't know. That one's kind of strange because... It's essentially one game. Like, if I played the Asylum one, and I get all the way through it, while I haven't ripped anything up, I can't play it again because I know the outcome. 
So maybe it's probably a campaign, but it would be the same thing as if you're doing like an unlock where you've played through and you know the solution. So therefore it's going to make the game less fun. So I think that's its own category. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what that would be. I don't either. I mean, I like I like Tartarstone. I think I would like to play legacy games because I like the idea of getting people together um, as a group. The same people returning, you're having this experience, um, you're working towards this goal. Like, I like that. And I think I've actually turned, like, I feel for me, I've turned Consulting Detective into a legacy game, essentially. Trying to get together, like, me and one of my best friends, she and I were meeting together, like, uh, probably once a week, sometimes more frequently than that because we were obsessed, um, playing, like, the Jack the Ripper and, like, the West End um, version of Consulting Detective and just meeting, like, we bought, she bought a magnifying glass for us to use. Like, we had little, like, chibis to, like, mark out different locations to help us solve it. Like, and then now that we're done, it's over. We've played it. We can't play it again. Um, because we know the answer, but yet we didn't tear up anything. So I don't know. Right. It's just, that's the same thing as time stories. Same kind of deal. Like you could play it again, but it's not going to be as good because you know the answer. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's it for our gaming glossary. Yep. That is it. Okay. So back by, I don't know, maybe popular demand. Okay. No one's been (laughs) demanding it. We just wanted to do it again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we like it. So we do what we want here. Right. Um, it's a call from the member of the Riveted. And this week, we have a member all the way from Greece. So, Alexandros, tell us about the games you've been playing. Hello from Greece. We left for the weekend, the city life, and stayed on a village on top of a mountain. I knew that the table in the house was large enough for a normal-sized board game, and I wouldn't have to bring only my travel board games. We've played Viticulture, which was a relaxing but tense game at the same time. Due to its theme, I didn't have any problem teaching the game. Although I had a bad draw of cards, I lost only for one point. We played also the version of Las Vegas, called Las Vegas Royale. The expansions added very fun monuments. Without them, It would have just been a boring, area-controlled game. I'm waiting for you to explain this term soon in your glossary. We've played also Charterstone. We just did the seventh scenario, and it's the first time I won. I think after the fourth scenario we've started enjoying it. Until then we are spending a lot of time opening boxes and playing a simple worker placement game. We've played also Azul a game that I don't like because of its meanness when I'm left with all those broken tiles at the end. Finally, we've played Instabool, with all the expansions for the first time. I liked it and actually it didn't last longer as I would expect that it would. Also, I have a bit of news for you. A new expansion was announced by Portal Games for Imperial Settlers called Rise of the Empire, which is a sort of a campaign where you rise on your technology track. I've noticed that the campaign trend stands strong, as well as the Cult of the New, where you have to play every day a new game. Aren't these trends contradicting each other? Now that's something to discuss about. Goodbye, and thank you for the fish. Uh, Yeah, so thanks, Alexandros, for that call, um, and telling us what you played. So you played some good games that I have played. So first off, what you talked about was Viticulture, which I am a huge fan of. Um, it's a really good worker placement game. Um, it has nice art. has some cool mechanisms. So yeah, I dig it. Uh, it seems like you liked it too, except for your bad card draw. So that happens to the best of us, I guess, sometimes. Well, but the thing about that game is it's great that it doesn't matter. Like, I've gotten some not-so-great card draws, but if you're able to like work the grapes and stuff and complete other things then it doesn't matter as much like you can still do well at the game and we haven't played this one in a while we need to break it out again because it is a really good game it is good yeah uh, sometimes you can really get boned by drawing the same field like the same vineyard a bunch of times too which is kind of annoying that's true uh the next game that he talked about was las vegas royale um i haven't played this i don't think you've played it no i haven't I didn't know anything about it until he mentioned it, so I looked it up, but 
It says it's area like a Yahtzee ma- style game, yeah. But there's area majority or influence, and I'm like, ooh. I mean, sorta. You're just trying to get more sixes than everybody else at certain locations to earn the cash. It's not. It's not painful though. I don't think. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I'm people wanting to give it a try because even though dice hate me. <laughs> That's true. I think they hate everybody though. Yeah. Uh, next up, we talked about it a little bit in the can uh, the gaming glossary section, and that is Charterstone. Uh, I think he said he played four games of this. Does that sound right? No, they've played up to like seven, and he said they were really enjoying uh, gotcha. it. They really enjoyed it after after four. four. Right, right, right. Right, and um, like I, we've only played maybe four, four, and I would like to, I would like to try more. I think we're just getting into a really good part of the game, but we haven't brought it up again with our friends that have it, and I, I would really like to get back into it. Yeah, I would give it another go. I would. On Alexandros, high recommendations. Yeah, if you could have a bad attitude about it, it'd be fine. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so next up was Azul. A game uh, I have said, a bad attitude about. Yeah, that's true. Which he said was mean, which I think is really funny. Because I didn't really feel like it was that mean. No, but. he said it's mean because it leaves you with all these broken tiles. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which does happen in that game. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's kind of annoying. Uh, and last, he played Istanbul. Istanbul with all the expansions. I have We have an expansion, but we haven't played it yet. But I do like Istanbul quite a bit. Yeah, is that the Mocha and Bakshish? Mocha and Bakshish, yeah. I would like to play it with the expansion because I really do like Istanbul. I mean, I we've even played the, the dice version, and I don't think that it's better than the regular Istanbul. And it's faster. This is, again, another one that I think we should we should bring back out because it is a good quality game and I'd, I'd like to try the expansion with it too. And Alexandros squeezing in some more news that so I get to talk about <laughs> more did. news. That he did. <laughs> Imperial, Imperial Settlers expansion, Rise of the Empire. I've never played Imperial Settlers, but every time I see the box, I'm like, look at that adorable artwork. And so I'd really like to play it um, without the expansion even. I've just... I don't know if we know. Do we know anyone that owns this? I don't. I bet uh, our new hotness buddy probably has it. That that sounds right. <laughs> I don't know if he does or not, but he he may. I don't know. I'm I'm willing to try it as long. I mean, you said that there's some fighting in it, which I'm yeah, okay with. Yeah, but. I don't love it, but I would still give it a go. I've heard it's good. Thank you so much, Alexandros, for taking the time to send us the call and talk about your games. And again, if you're interested in. Um, talking about the games that you've been playing or some games that you love, just drop us an email, send us a message on Facebook, something, because we would love to have you on the podcast. For sure. All right, we're moving into my favorite section. Got through all that other junk. Now we can start talking about the good stuff. We're talking uh, about weird stuff this week, but that was we talked about weird stuff last week, too. That's true. I mean, we do what we want here. We already went over that. That that's why we're pretty okay. I mean, we're not good. We'll just stay pretty okay cuz we just we'll just do whatever. Yeah. We have a bar that's pretty low and I think maybe every episode the bar even gets a little bit lower. So we'll see. <laughs> do you think? Uh so <laughs> So the first game I played is a game from What's Your Game. But the interesting thing here is it's probably their lightest game that they've ever designed and it is called Oddville. Um so what this game is, it's kind of a tile laying game. But it's cards. And what you're trying to do here is you are you have a, a hand of four workers, which are cards. And there's going to be a kind of a peon worker and a be, like the best worker. And the workers are going to be used in one of three ways. You can either take some coins, one, two, or three coins, which I'll explain what they do in a bit. You can mark a resource, which was is wood, crystal, clay, and stone. You can mark one of those, but the peon guy gives you... Only one you can do, and the best guy can let you claim one of the of any type. Or you can take a building from this row of buildings for free, depending on... All of them will give you some workers for free, but depending on how powerful the worker is, you're going to have more options that you can pick for free. So the best guy, pretty much four... I think four of the buildings are free, and you only had to pay for two. The worst guy, the first two are free. Everything else is super expensive. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to, to buy these buildings, gain resources, get coins... So you can then use your resources to pay for the cost of these buildings to put them out into this little town that everybody's building together. Oddville, I guess. And when you place this tile down, you have to connect a road to a road or a like a forest to a forest. 
and you can't manipulate the way the card sits. The way the card is printed, like whatever's on top, has to stay in that orientation when you're playing it. And when you play that building, you're going to get points based on the scoring power of the card. Some of them are just give you points. Some of them score for you know, other cards that are in play, if they have cards around them or whatnot. And then they're going to give you these other bonuses, which are going to let you get these like player power cards that are worth points if you have them at the end of the game, and they're going to let you break some rules throughout the game. Uh, it's a pretty interesting little game. Uh, the first player to build six buildings triggers the end immediately, and then whoever has the most points is the winner. Uh, I really enjoy it. I think it's it's a fun little tile land game without having to lay tiles down because you don't have to screw with the whole manipulation and all that stuff. You just lay it down and make connections. And yeah, so it's in my collection now, thanks to New Hotness Buddy. And I can't wait to play it again. So that is Oddville. I mean, you sort of have to mess with the manipulation because you have to like line up roads and stuff. But I mean, sort of. But you don't have to turn the card at all. Yeah, you do. I guess. No, you don't. The card is always like face up. Uh, the top is always at the top. Oh. You never have to turn the card at all. Yeah, I came in partway through this game to watch and. While it was explained to me, I still do not understand it. However, it does look much easier than all of the other Witcher game games that we have. That That is 100% true. It's 100% true. So I want to talk about something that Jason does not like. And I don't think it's ever been discussed in the podcast before. And that is yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. So Wake me up when you're done. I'm going to sleep. Stop it. So this past week, um, I got together with my D&D group. Um, I, we play 5e. Um and our DM, like, we we started playing with, um, they put out, like, that basic, like, D&D starter kit. And so my group got together in order to play through that scenario that was in there. And then we decided that we wanted to keep going. So we switched out DMs. Um, our, old DM, our old DM became a player. And one of our other players decided he would step into being our dungeon master. And he has been playing D&D since it was a D&D. And so he's been taking, like, old, um, like, Dragon Magazine, like, adventure gaming, like, scenarios that he's found that he's kept for, like, since the 70s. And is converting them to, like, make them compatible with the the 5e system as it is now. Um, so currently I play a level 8 uh, half-elf monk. And I am part of the Way of the Shadow kind of monk school or class or whatever um so we are current at our last session we were in this like old keep where there is a hag and i think there is a dragon um we freed a whole bunch of goblins who are being kept there for as food um we fought a flaming skull and in Oni and uh, a bunch of weird stuff. These things, like this demon that took over these dead bodies and like just took like their heads and like sprouted these limbs. Some of you might know what I'm talking about. Um, but we have been playing this campaign, gosh, it's been at least a year, if not going on maybe two years now, um, with the same people. So it's been great uh, to be able to that my character survived to be a level eight monk is awesome. I'm at the point where I'm thinking about multi-classing to a rogue because the monk is the way the shadow. I can like teleport in dim light. Eventually I'll be able to walk across liquids and um, vertical surfaces without falling, like all kinds of neat stuff. And our DM has been great about letting us develop our backstories and, I have this whole backstory about how this half elf came to be. My monastery was is actually kind of like a true, like a family, like a yakuza type place that I came from. <laughs> so I used to like work as like an assassin for these people. It's really fun. Um, so I don't know if any of you are role players out there. Some of you mentioned before in the chat that you're too much slash and hack for players now. Um, <laughs> my group does a lot of that. We just charge in and just start beating up stuff. And uh, it's either that or we stand around and talk forever. We have one guy who wants to talk about the ethics of his character and the moral of his character. Uh, there's a rogue. Is that, is, it, is that Theseus? Yeah. No, but it's the same guy. Oh, okay. 
He has this younger character that looks like he's some avatar guy, but he's supposed to be some fighter. He always has gotcha. these moral dilemmas, and the rest of us are like... Of, co- of course he does. Right. Of course he does. Me and the rogue are like, let's just go in and get the stuff and get out. And a few other people are like, let's just save these people. So it's, it is a lot of just like fighting and beating things up, but it's a good time. So that was my D&D experience from last week. And I did not, I did not die, and I managed to use evasion to not get any damage from a fireball cast at me. So I feel pretty excited about that. Okay, you can wake up now, babe. Oh yeah, what day is it? Am I still awake? All right. Yeah, I'm glad you like that. It's not for me. I don't have an imagination, and it's just something that I used to play it as a kid. But I know now I would not enjoy it, so I'm just gonna stay away from it. Fine. I still feel like you should try. Maybe if you DM one, which you've talked about wanting to do, I would try it one time. And then if I don't like it, I'll kill off your it's character. De- it's dead. To, it's dead to me. Yes, you can kill me. You can throw me down a well or hit me with a bus or something, whatever you want to do. <laughs> There's no buses. It could be you're the DM. You can make it whatever you no, want. No, I would stay in the high fantasy realm. Like ours is set in Greyhawk, um, but I am like a Dragonlance girl, so I love the world of Kryn. I'd probably do it there. And then a bus comes in and runs me over. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. If you know what I'm talking about out there, if anyone knows what I'm talking about, give me like a shout out of solidarity, please. So while they're giving you that shout out, I'm going to talk about a good game. Uh, and it is a two-player game from PSC Games from Paolo Mori, who's done tons of good games. Libertalia. Libertalia, uh, Vasco da Gama, Ethnos, to name a few. And this game is called Blitzkrieg. Actually, it's Blitzkrieg! Because it has an exclamation mark. Uh, I just want to sing two- Blitzkrieg Bop every time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, so this is a two-player pulling chuff chits from a bag to do some area majority. But what the theme is supposed to be, it's supposed to be World War II, and you're fighting in five theaters of battle around the the world during the war, and you're trying to win each theater to be the first military side to score 25 points because i'm pretty sure that's how they determined the winner of the war when they went to score 25 points but whatever (laughs) so uh one player is going to play the axis one player is going to play the allies and you're going to pull three chits out of your bag the chits are going to be army navy or um air force and the board's going to have these five different theaters and only certain types of pieces can go on certain spaces so the brown can only take tanks because it's land the blue can take Navy because it's water and the air force can go on any single place that it wants. Cause it's an airplane and there's no restriction there. Each place, not every place on the board, but some places on the board are going to have these bonuses that may give you some extra, you know, pull to your side of the battle. Cause it's kind of like a tug of war in each um, theater of battle and it'll put, pull the points towards your side. Some of them may just give you victory points to go toward the 25. Some of them could let you get these super special chips that are outside of the, that are next to the game board to put them in your bag. And when you draw those out, they're super powerful. Um, I really like this game because I love pulling stuff out of a bag. Like you can give me any game you want. And if I have to pull stuff out of a bag, I'm automatically going to like it more. So this gives me the kind of the feeling of quacks. Cause I didn't know what I was going to pull out of the bag. I didn't know if I'd pull the chits that I needed. And I really enjoyed that. So that's Blitzkrieg. Stay tuned to our YouTube channel because I'll have a video for this eventually. And it's really good. If you like two-player games that are a little different, check this one out. Uh, you said it's good, but I I, I really don't like the theme at all. So The theme's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. The theme is never irrelevant for me, Jason. It's a chit on a board. That's all it is. No, I can't. I can't. That's why you have Brandon to play games with, because I was like, yeah, no. It's really, it is actually really fun. Yeah, I know you don't like the World War II theme, and it's so abstracted out that it's basically just there's access and allies, and that's about the extent of the theme. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. So you might, you might like it if you'd give it a chance. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm going to be snob about this one. I'm probably not going to play it. That's fine. I already played it, so I'm good. So I. I want to talk about another game that's some people might not even call it a game so it's not a game it's not a game it it kind of is so i played um sherlock holmes for investigations which is um one of the graphic novel adventures that came out i think last year at origins um gosh what was the name of the what's the name of the publisher for this van rider games yes van rider 
Um, so I got two two of these games. So it's like choose your own adventure type games where you have like in in the Sherlock Holmes one in particular, it's like comic book cells, and within each cell there are numbers for other cells that lead you through the adventure. And sometimes you then choose, okay, as, especially as Sherlock Holmes or Watson, I'm going to investigate this trunk and on that trunk there's a number and i would then turn to that cell in order to investigate the trunk um so it had four little investigations in it and i mean i went through them all in a couple hours um and it was neat because it's it gives that game feel but it's solo which i don't ever like to play solo games but since it's in a book form like I felt like I was okay with it because I love oh, that. To- that makes it better. Yeah, because I love to read and that's a solo activity. So <laughs> that's true. It that is okay. true. So I think I really love, like I mentioned earlier, Consulting Detective, which is Sherlock Holmes because I just love Sherlock Holmes, period. Um, but with this, I think that loving and playing Consulting Detective actually was a, a drawback for me because at first I was like super cautious about, you know, not looking at too many clues and not checking everything out, which there's like an extra, there's a couple, there's some extra elements in this game. Like all of the investigations eventually tie in together and you don't know if you succeeded in them until the end, which is kind of rough. And also um, you're really working against Moriarty the whole time. Um, and Sebastian Moran was his helper that I missed the other time. Rewind back to a, a previous podcast, but you're against Moriarty and you're trying to find, you also are supposed to be on the lookout for these keys that go in a typewriter and they're hidden in these scenes. So there's kind of like this, you know, seek and find element to it as well. But if you don't check out all the clues, you're going to miss that. And there's also some places where you find a, like a numbers puzzle kind of for Moriarty that'll lead you to like, maybe like three keys at a time. So, um, catching those really important. I ended up only finding like maybe half the keys that were in there. And I thought I was doing really well. Apparently I was mistaken. And then you get to the end and you have, you write, you write down numbers um, for the solutions to each of the four cases. And then you add them together. And then whatever that number is, that's where you, that's the cell you go to, to see if you um, manage to keep from getting blown up by a Moriarty. I don't think this is a spoiler at all. Um, I had three out of four rights, um, which meant that I still got blown up, but Way to go. Yeah. And so then after that, then you get the solutions at the end and you read through like what happened so that you kind of have that resolution and know um, what was happening during the case. But I, uh, I I liked it. I think there's a lot of back and forth um, because the cells are so small. There's like not a lot of stuff in each one. So you're not going to be reading a lot. So it's like a lot of flipping, which can kind of be annoying. Um, but it was like a neat little brain exercise. It wasn't super challenging. And the other one I have is like Tears for a Goddess or something. Um, Mike McCorney played this himself. And he said he was able to run through it more than once. So I'm interested in seeing if I can also do that and if I like that one better. Um, but that is Sherlock Holmes for Investigations. If you're looking for something like light, fun, even for like a younger audience that's into Sherlock Holmes, this would be like a good pick. Or like if you're just looking for something to occupy your time while you're like on a plane flight or something, I'd say it's well worth it. So that's what I played. That was a really weird what what we played section. You're right. I know. <laughs> That's fine. We're just pretty okay. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to move on to our uh, our feature now. All right. So last week we did two our favorite two-player games. Uh, and we thought we wanted to talk about more games that we like to play at two players. So this week we're going to talk about games that play more than two players that we only want to play at two players. So a game that can play four, five, or six that we like to play at two because for reasons, I guess. Well, we don't have to give our reasons, but just for reasons. We might give our reasons, but for us, a lot of them, especially for Jason, is any Euro game he wants to play it too. <laughs> yeah, that's all I put. All Euro games. That's my whole entire list. All medium to heavy Euro games. <laughs> I just have one thing. That's it. I'm done. Okay. All Euro games. We made it under an hour. Nice job. <laughs> So what's your first All right, one, babe? So, so yeah, my first one is a game that we've actually played live that I beat Katie at by one point. Why would you bring this up? Because it needed to be said again, just for posterity. 
Uh, and that game is called Grand Austria Hotel. So let me explain the reason why I like this too. This game has this weird snake turn order where first player goes, in, in a four-player game, it goes like this. First player goes, second player goes, third player goes, fourth player goes, fourth player goes, third player goes, second player goes, first player goes. So if you're first player in a four-player game, you are waiting a whole long time to get your turn back. But you and get to is, make the first turn, which is crucial sometimes in that game. But you, then you're waiting six turns to go again, and it is awful. But at two, it goes first player, second player, second player, first player, and that's awesome. So two is the only way I want to play this. The game flies. You can bang out a game of this in like 30, 40 minutes at two players. It gives you all the same feel, um, all the same gameplay. Yeah, I love it. So get your hand out to your hotel. I will only play it two. I could be talked into playing it three, but I probably will say no and play something else because I really like Grand Austria Hotel at two. Yeah, I really like this game at two. I would play it at three, but definitely not at four. Um, and no I way. And I do like it because I love this game so much. And for me, like I'm putting a lot of thought into where I want to go, what I want to do, how things are going to play out, that I like it when it's just a two-player. Like I only have to wait on one other person to take their turn before I can execute my plan. So it's just because I'm impatient. Yeah, I mean... In a four-player game, the turn order does move around. So if you're first one, if you're last in one round, you're eventually going to be first. Yeah, it's just it's just rough. It's just when I'm fourth player in that game, or when I'm first player in that game, I'm hating life. So I don't I don't want to be first at all. And in, in a four-player, it's just awful. Well, even if I'm not so, yeah. first, I just don't like that. It's so much time because there are a lot of things for you to do on your turn. So it it, it does take some time to like draft your dice and then decide you know, how, like, what quantity or intensity the action is going to take and then how you're going to play the action. And then is the action going to trigger another one, you know, as you're closing off rooms, as you're completing sections, as you're using cards, you know, all the, as you're completing goals, like, are you fulfilling a customer's order and then putting them in? Like, there's just, it's just a lot for a higher player count. Yeah, that's true. I agree. I agree with all those things that you just said. All right, so mine, I have referenced this game already. Maybe twice. T- twice, <laughs> <laughs> actually. And that is uh, Consulting Detective. Um, I love this game because I love the experience, and I have played it at a variety of player counts. I've played it at four, at five. I think at one time I played it at six. I'm not sure what it recommends on the box. Um, but I like it best at two. So me and one of my best friends... We were like, okay, we're going to do the Jack Ripper cases together. And so I had the rule, I had the book, which gave, you know, all this, that had the storyline and the places we we're going to go with it. She had the London directory. And so we each kind of had our own thing that we were kind of domain over. The map was in between us. You, ha- I like that I had someone else to bounce ideas off of, but I didn't, it wasn't like a big committee. I didn't have, a bunch of people with like stuff spread everywhere. I didn't have people that were just sitting there doing nothing. People who didn't feel like they weren't contributing. Cause like for me, my brain is moving quickly. Like I don't want to sound pompous or anything, but you know, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty smart. I'm got some good deductive skills. So You're pretty okay. I'm pretty okay. So I'm like moving through this saying, okay, here's what we know. We're going to assume this and this and this. So we're going to need to go here, here and here. What's best course of action pick from these. And I know sometimes that can feel like, I am, what's that called? Where you like come in and take- Quarterbacking. Yes, like I'm quarterbacking the game. I can feel like that. But when it's just with one other person, they're like, okay, yes. Have you thought about this, this, and this? Well, based on what you're saying, let's go here and I'm going to look at this. And so you can have someone else who can disagree, but it's not like you have some people that agree with me, some people that disagree. Like it just is a good balance at two. And I felt like I did so well on the cases- with just one other person because of that great balance. So that is my number three consulting detective. Yeah, we played it. I played this once with you at two and it, it was okay. It just went on a little long for my liking and there was a lot of reading. But so. you just don't like the game period. So yeah, it, it wasn't my thing. I mean, it's, it's fine for what it is. It's just not my thing. Uh, so the next game that I only want to play at two is a game that came out last year called Abomination. 
the heir of Frankenstein. And the reason I want to play this at two is mostly because it's long. Um, we played a two-player game, and it still took about two hours. Uh, well, this is pretty long for a two-player game. So any more than that, and you're going to be looking at three, three and a half hours, and that's a little bit long for this game. In the publisher's defense, they did come out with an Igor variant, which is going to start you kind of along in the game a little bit with some stuff, like some uh, body parts and some special, like, higher numbers on the dials. And it's going to let the dice do a little bit different things to make it easier to create your body. So that will probably help, but I just want to play it regular. So two players the way I want to play. Uh, if you don't know about this game, it's a worker placement game where you're trying to collect body parts by digging up people at the graveyard, getting the bodies of people who were just executed at the town square or going and killing somebody in the dark alley. You're using those body parts to go make a Frankenstein monster. So Frankenstein isn't lonely. He has a companion. I guess that's the theme, I think. But just worker placement, collecting resources to turn resources into a body. And you have to shock the body to bring it alive. And after so many rounds, or if somebody can get a certain amount of body parts alive, the game ends. You score points for all your body parts based on how far along they are. And whoever has most points is the winner. Uh, it's a pretty good worker placement game with a really cool, like, it's really thematic for what it is because Plat Hat knows how to do theme. Yeah. So if you like worker placement, but you want something that's a little more thematic than like a Lords of Waterdeep or Champions or something, definitely go check out Abomination because it's dripping with theme and it's super fun. Yeah. And I think it's good too. If you're looking for a game that like, especially for us, like you and your spouse can sit down and really like get immersed in and like you're kind of playing the long game. Like for me, I especially love when I can get into a game. I get the feel of it. I know how to, I can plan all my actions well. I can look ahead. You know, I, I really like that. And I, I mean, I like spending time with you also. Obviously. So I think you do. I do. I like you like a little bit. This is recorded too. So you're going to have to hear that forever now. You're pretty okay. So (laughs) this game I think is great. I can't imagine actually playing it at more than two because it would take a long time and I might not want to sit there with somebody else for that long, to be honest. That's true. I mean, yeah, that is true. So yeah, but it's a good game. I would, I think it's worth trying. Uh, my game is an old classic standard, and while I do like this at many player counts, um, at the higher player counts, whew, it is a little bit rough, and that is Agricola. So I have never played, and we do not have um, the two-player version of Agricola, the all creatures big and small or something, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Um, I, I would love to have it. Can't find it. From what Jason tells me, it's wickedly expensive out of print or something like that. It was, yeah. I don't, I don't know if it is. I haven't looked at it recently, but it has been, yes. So if anyone can weigh in on whether it's worth getting in addition to regular Agricola, let me know. I like Agricola. I, I mean, it's got a bunch of shaped meeples, so of course I'm in. And I, I feel like the theme of me having my own little farm is real fun. Um, but with two players, it's nice because I get to do all the things. I'm not blocked out, which, I mean, does take make the game a little bit easier. Except you're constantly, like... After Uve got sucked up by the aliens and is obsessed with being of feeding people, I am working hard to keep my people fed as well as meet all these other objectives for the game. So I feel like with two, it doesn't take as long, but I still get That's to play true. a game yeah. that I think is really worth it and meaty. I mean, yes, I've played it at three and four, and I and and I do like it, and I would play it. But I think I actually do like this game best at two, just because of the opportunities I have to do the different things I want. Because because I like it because because you can basically do it any way you want. You get the points in whatever way you want, and I have more freedom to do it the way I want with two players, I guess. But that might yeah, change I, if I played if we played all creatures, big and small. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the first time we played this, we played it at five. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, and it was. Like, it was like four hours long. It was so long. But I didn't hate it. I didn't. No, I, it was good because you were still thinking on your turn and there was a lot going on, but it was just a little too long. Agreed. Yeah, that was a good pick. I like that game. We need to bust that one out too. We it's do. It's been a while. All right, so the last one I'm going to talk about is one that I've played a ton since I got it last year from Joel, and it is called Concordia. Um, yes. So I've played this at two, three, and four multiple times at each player count and i think that i like two better 
Um, so this game has, we just had the base game. Well, we have Salsa as well, but we haven't played it yet. But in the base game, there's two sides of the board. There's a three and a four player or a four and a five player side, I think. And then a two and a three player side, or maybe a two and then a three and a four. Either way, the two player side has its own side, which is going to cut off some of the places that you can travel to, to make the board tighter, to make it feel like you're playing with a higher player count. So you're playing with two, you get that. You get more turns, you're taking your turns faster, the game is shorter, but you still have the same kind of competition for spaces like you do on the other side because there's a couple less territories or countries that you're traveling to. So I love this game. The card mechanism is amazing. Just everything about this game is amazing. And at two, that's the only way I want to play it. So Concordia, one of the best multiplayer games that plays awesome at two. Yeah, I, I really like this game, and I've played it at all player counts. But it is really good at two because you don't have to worry about it not scaling well. It's not like where I was talking about Agricola where all these, all, there's all these open spaces. Like, it's definitely shorter, and I feel just as challenged when I played it as two as I did when I played, played it at three and at four. Um, but I do like it at two because the, um, the little, like, bonus card that you get, the packs. Romana or whatever. No, it's a uh, um ah oh, dang it, what is that? Prefect. No. Uh, Prefect Magnus. Yeah. Harry Potter. <laughs> what what <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember what it whatever is. Whatever it is, where you get this boost where you get double <laughs> what you get from like the little the little not market. Yeah, yeah, but. yeah. You get double resources when you go claim the little territory thing. Yeah. That comes by that comes back around more often than it does in a multiplayer game, so that's what's nice too. That's true. You get that little yeah, bonus. that is that is really nice. Good pick. My last game is one that just came to me while I was filming my video for this week of my top uh, 100 games of all time. So if you haven't seen that, go out and check it out. My daughter Rory is in it with me, and. There's a lot of editing because of that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oof. that's true. There's a lot of weird jump cuts because she was banging the table and getting oh yelled my at. Gosh. <laughs> I, I will not do that again. But one of the games in my this last installment uh, is a game that I thought, oh my gosh, I think I only want to play this at two, and that is Trickerion. Um, we have Trickerion that we played with a couple of like the small expansions that came out with it. Which was like some the alley blackout. Or... Yeah, that's on the other side of the board. So the that's the actual game, really. And then Dogguard's Gifts is the other one that we used. Yeah, so we have a couple like little extra experiences came with it, and there's a lot going on. And maybe because I would hate to explain this to another person. Well, we have we've played it three. It's awful. It, it's, it's awful. To it is awful to explain. Um, I mean, I guess if someone knew how to play, I would bring them in, but. There's so much happening, and a lot of the places are dependent on where other people go and if they're blocking you out because you're programming your turn, um, and you can just totally get screwed out of stuff. And the game is difficult as it is, even without people blocking you out, even at two players, just to get your tricks off and try to get as many points as possible. At least for me, it is. like I struggle to try and win this game. Um, I don't need other people in there mucking stuff up. And changing the market or taking the spots downtown or taking my stage time. Like, no. No, no, no. I definitely prefer this at two. And we have the expansion, uh, the big box expansion they, they released. Um, Dog Guards Academy. Dog Guards Academy. That we have not yet tried. But, gosh, I for sure probably don't want to play that more than two. Um, oh, yeah. No, I was just looking at the box and it's crazy. Yeah. Yes. No more. Right. So if you know if you don't know anything about Trickerion, it's kind of it's I would definitely say it's a medium heavy me, medium heavy game. Yeah, for it's, sure. It's pretty heavy. So you're it's it's got this really cool theme of being a magician and like the kind of like steampunk era. So there's cool art and stuff, but you're gathering resources to make um, tricks you're sending your you're hiring and using specialists to go out and get the things you need to spend the time practicing your trick and then to perform it to get as many points as possible it is difficult to do that and get, to get the timing right and to get things to flow right um, it is brain burning but it is definitely worth it but just like abomination 
I don't know that I want to make that investment with more than one other person. So. Oh, yeah. I totally Yeah, agree. that's my number one pick, Trickerion. I played it at four, and I had to explain it. That was rough. Oh, I didn't. That was rough. Did I, I didn't play it at that four with you, did I? You, you didn't play it at four. No, I played it. Well, with you and Joel yeah. at three, which is okay. It was okay at three. But four four is rough. Yeah. I prefer two. So my three are Sherlock Holmes, uh, our consulting detective, Agricola, and Tricurion. And my three are Grand Oster Hotel, Abomination, and Concordia. Um, but like Jason said, we like to play most moderately heavy Euros at two. So like Lorenzo and Marco Polo and... Um, all the Euros, all of them. Council of Four Coim- and Orleans. Coimbra. <laughs> so. Coimbra's great, great at Coimbra's two. Coimbra's great at two. I love that. The ones I don't like to play at two are the games that require you to have like a dummy third player. And I'm like, well, then just say that this cannot play at two. But the thing about Coimbra is that it has a great extra mechanic to fill in for when you only have two players. So these little fake dice that go into these the certain areas to help you like kind of work around your bidding are really excellent and so when games do that i'm okay with making the accommodations for two players it's really nice when they have like the smaller board sizes or whatever that you can use to help but um for us those are our top games to play at two that are not two player games so what about you guys let us know what you like to play at two and only at two or if you disagree with us and say no no you need to play concordia at three or you need to play agricola at five we will listen to you (laughs) i will listen but i will not do it i'm not saying you like we'll change our ways but i mean i'm interested to hear from all sides yeah yeah that's true that's true all right i think that's all we've got for today yep i got nothing all right. Thanks, guys. Find us on Facebook. Um, join the Riveted. Check out our videos on YouTube. I'm hoping to put out an, my next installment of a Top 100, my fifth one, pretty soon. I'm getting into seriously excellent games that I love to play. Um, Jason's putting out reviews all the time. And, of yep. course, Instagram, Twitter, all that jazz. We'd love to hear from you guys. So uh, I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. And keep gaming, everybody. Yeah.